Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by Simply Safe and Chess.com. Our guest today is Joe Fargione. Joe Fargione is the science director for the Nature Conservancy's North America region. Joe's research reveals nature's hidden benefits to people, including how nature can help mitigate climate change. We're going to be talking about climate change, and then we're going to talk about the Nature Conservancy. The mission of the Nature Conservancy is to conserve the lands and waters on which all life depends. And life depends on all that and more, according to our guest, Joe Fargioni. Over the past decade, interest in reforestation as a result of climate change has soared. Climate change, an increase in wildfires, and the need for huge carbon sinks to remove emissions from the atmosphere have increased the demand for trees and dense forests. But while there's a huge focus on planting trees, there's little focus on where those seedlings will come from. A recent study by the USDA and the Forest Service and American Forests and Academic Institutions outlines that we are already short more than 2 billion seedlings per year. We're going to put links up to where you can find those studies. But that's just to get us to the halfway point to meeting the reforesting potential of the lower 48 states. It's a huge demand. Joe Fargioni says there were increasing public calls for dramatically scaling up reforestation in light of climate change. And the people that work in the industry were aware that it would be hard to do because of the seed challenges. But most people outside the industry just weren't aware of it all. We're going to talk about that and share many of these solutions with you today. Of course, we're going to be with Joe Fargioni and we're going to talk about the Nature Conservancy, climate change and the new project to help nurseries for seed collection and storage and how we can all get involved, which is critical to our national carbon removal ambitions. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Joe Fargioni, who is the science director for the Nature Conservancy. Joe Fargioni, welcome to the program. Paul, thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much for joining me. We are going to have an interesting conversation. I I, I think it, it it very much is an important one. I read an article that you recently wrote um, in, uh, of course, I found it in Nature uh, Conservancy magazine. I really thought it was fantastic. It's about seedlings and the need for seedlings to kind of uh, we need to we need to restock them. You wrote a research paper on um, uh, the value of restocking these seedlings over the course of the next twenty plus years in nurseries, and I want to get into all of that. We're going to talk climate change really today, and I, I want to start with some basics and um, have you just tell us a little bit about what what is kind of going on with regard to climate change because this isn't a distant threat. It, it's happening now. We're starting to see this more and more. The last decade has uh, witnessed uh, a great deal of, of increases in, in heat. There have been developing wildfires, of course, uh, storms. There's financial impact, all uh, myriad of things have have taken place, and so I, I'd I'd like you to give us uh, maybe some basic facts about climate change that have occurred over the last decade. Sure. Well, the science the science is very clear, um, and it's pretty simple. The atmosphere is like a blanket that traps heat. Right. If you were on the moon, it would be very cold. It don't have it doesn't have an atmosphere. We have an atmosphere that traps heat, and if you make that blanket thicker, uh, you know, you're going to be warmer, and that's exactly what humans have been doing 
by adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere. And scientists have understood that carbon dioxide you know, helps trap heat since the late 1800s. So, you know, we've known for over a century um, that if we put a lot more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, it, it's going to make the earth warmer. And so that's what we've seen um, by burning fossil fuels, which puts carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Humans have increased, um, we've increased the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by almost 50%. And that has led to what we've already seen, uh, a 1.1 degrees Celsius warming. And that's, so that's two degrees Fahrenheit. And that, that doesn't sound like a lot, um, but it's the whole world getting warmer, uh, which has big, big impacts. So I'm, I'm talking to you from Minneapolis and, um, you know, 15,000 years ago, there was an ice age and there was a mile of ice over where I'm sitting now. And that, that was only about 12 degrees, um, Fahrenheit colder than modern times. So when we're talking about the the you know changes to the whole planet, those those few degrees make a really big difference. Um, and that's why we've seen the big impacts that we've already seen from just that two degrees of warming. Um, we see more storms, uh, more damage. We see more droughts. We see more fires. Um, and that's exactly what the science has, you know, been predicting for the last 40 years that we know that warmer air holds more water and that water is being, um, the drier places are getting drier and the wetter places are getting wetter. It's kind of a the simple, simplest way to say it, that warm air is moving that moisture. It's moving more away from the dry places and and dropping more in the wet places. Um, and that's, that's what we, where we've seen more flooding, um, more, you know, bigger rainfall events than on average. Um, and, you know, bigger heat waves. So things that happened, you know, every 50 years are happening, you know, every five years. So that's, um, those are the changes we've already seen, and, and that's part of why we're seeing, um, you know, big fires out west every year, and um, people having to evacuate from hurricanes more frequently. Thank you. That, that's helpful, uh, especially to hear it described as this this blanket of carbon dioxide that's just keeping us warmer. And thinking of it in terms of a blanket certainly. Uh, helps me to kind of see it and and uh, and make it real because but it is it is very real and 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 science is in, in agreement about this. I suppose where it gets complicated is this idea of kind of tackling the issue, you know, trying to um, you know remove this blanket and wh- where do we where do we even start, you know, when attempting to to do that? Yeah, that's a great question, and it is easy to feel a little overwhelmed because. There's a lot of things that mm-hmm. that will need to change, but there's so many uh, signs of, of hope and um, and and examples of where that change is already occurring that I feel encouraged. Um, I mean, 
the bottom line is we need to rapidly transition our economy away from fossil fuels. And what this means is more wind and more solar and more batteries. And the good news is that this is already happening. So solar and wind uh, currently make up about 90% of the proposed new power. Um, so when you look across all of the utilities in the country, if someone wants to add power onto the into a, the grid, they have to submit a proposal to do that. And when you look at all of these proposed new power generation, 90% of it is, is wind and solar. Um, about 60% solar, 30% wind. Um, and natural gas is only 10%. And no new coal is is being built because this, you know, frankly, this outdated technology is simply too expensive. So, um, so we're already seeing that transition um, of our uh, electric, uh, you know, the power generation system for electricity. Um, and not all that proposed generation will be built, but you can see the direction that we're headed. We're, we're um, wind and solar are now the cheapest form of electricity. So this is not a sacrifice that we're asking people to make. This is a win-win. We're saying, you know, there is cheaper electricity that it also uh, doesn't pollute the atmosphere. It doesn't warm the climate, but it also doesn't pollute the air we breathe the way that fossil fuels have. So that's, you know, that's, um, that's where the transition needs to start is in the electricity sector. But then we also need to, um, to use more of that electricity in more places. So, um, we're already seeing a switch to electrification of uh, transportation. So for example, the best-selling car in California is an electric car. Um, and you know, there are many advantages. This is not a big sacrifice. People aren't switching because, um, you know, out of a, a sense of obligation, they're switching because they're, you, know, you save about $1,000 a year because you don't have to buy gas. It's so they're cheaper to drive and they're much cheaper to maintain. You know, you imagine never having to go in for an oil change because um, you don't have an engine with moving parts. You have a battery. Um, if you if your listeners haven't test driven an electric car, uh, you should, they're, they drive better <laughs> in gasoline cars. They have better pickup and handling and they're more fun to drive. So again, it's a, it's a win-win. We're seeing that technology has provided us with more options here that, you know, help fight climate change, but have actually other upsides. Um, so in addition to switching off fossil fuels, it's important to know that nature can help. So um, here at the Nature Conservancy, we like to talk about natural climate solutions. And this just means the protection, restoration, and improved management of natural and working lands, such as forests, grasslands, and croplands. So that's, um, that's something that can make a big difference when we plant trees, when they grow they take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So that's a natural way to remove carbon dioxide and help undo uh, some of the impacts that we've had from, from burning fossil fuels. Um, and there's other, you know, looking across forests and grasslands and, and croplands. In, in agriculture, there's ways to store more carbon in the soil. 
there's ways to be more efficient with our fertilizer to reduce uh, emissions from fertilizer use. So there's a whole uh, host of things that we can do that um, help fight climate change and have actually have lots of other benefits as well. And and again, thank you for that. Um, so the idea of of solar, of wind, of batteries is great. I think it gives us a great deal of hope. One of the things I found in my research and prepared to talk to you was this was this number that I found in many places that that in fact there's about 160 million tons of carbon dioxide already in the atmosphere. So looking forward, we've got batteries and wind and and solar. What do we do about this present condition and how do we remove that is that does that come from the social impact side that the nature conservancy is advocating is that where some of that is uh is going to be a a possible solution is that (laughs) does that lead us to a conversation of the of the seedling uh stock up uh uh, article that you wrote sure well um the simple way to think about it is we're we're adding about 40 billion tons of carbon dioxide um, to the atmosphere every year, roughly. And so we need to go down, we need to cut that in half by 2030, and we need to cut that to zero by 2050. So, um, and that's, and the way you get to zero is you eliminate most of the emissions and then you remove uh, any of the emissions that you can't eliminate. So, um, one of the there's different ways to remove carbon dioxide, and and engineers are working on you know engineering solutions to that. But but one exciting thing to um, is that what's currently available as the cheapest form of removing carbon dioxide is a very simple technology, which is just a tree. So when we plant trees, um, they you know, they suck carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere as they grow and store it in their trunk. So there are places where we can add, you know, where there used to be forest that uh, human activities have removed them and that forest could be put back. Um, and that is in, you know, there's a lot of places um, where that occurred. We estimate that there's about 130 million acres that, fall into that category that could be used to be forests but aren't currently they're not currently being it's not currently a road or a city or uh or good cropland but uh it's you know has some other use it's understocked there are places that have uh burned that haven't regrown naturally that could be reforested there are um roadsides and uh, parks and and lawns in in urban areas where we could have more you know we could have urban reforestation um, and there are places where there's competing vegetation you know some uh, invasive shrubs have come in and and are preventing regrowth that they could where we could uh, restore that to forest so there's a variety of situations where um, you know, that are ripe for, uh, for being reforested and being brought back to 
to forest. And that will help. That's one of the ways that we can remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. We'll be right back with Joe Fargioni, Science Director for the Nature Conservancy. Hey, it's Paul, and I've got a quick mention from our sponsor today, Chess.com. You know, many of us in our Not Old Better Show audience love games, and we've talked recently about playing video games and the value to our brains. According to Science Times, we'll put links to where you can find this information on our website. Again, according to Science Times, playing chess improves memory, enhances IQ, promotes creativity, and helps in recovery of a stroke or disability. This is all good stuff, but we play to have fun, too. I play chess.com long distance with my son, Avery, who's very good. And we have a blast, at least Avery does, as he literally vanquishes me each time we play. But, you know, everyone is playing chess these days, especially on chess.com, whose number of players has grown five times since 2020. It's a fantastic game, and it's so great that so many people are playing it now. You can play for free and it is easy to play. And unlike other games that change all the time where you have to pay to win and defeat levels to progress, chess is simple to learn and not distracting. Improving your chess game is easy on chess.com. There are excellent instructional videos on chess.com and after you play a game, you can have the computer analyze your mistakes and recommend quick lessons to strengthen your skills. This is just this is just awesome. I personally have a diamond membership which gets me unlimited access to all of chess.com and its features, unlimited puzzles, unlimited lessons, unlimited game analysis and more and I, and I love it. Chess is becoming so popular that the Netflix show The Queen's Gambit recently won 11 Emmy Awards, including the top award for limited series. And The Queen's Gambit is a favorite of ours here in our home. I play chess for my phone as well as my desktop computer and my tablet on chess.com. If you're interested, you can find me there, just like Avery, plus lots of your friends and family and grandkids who are already playing on chess.com. Ready to improve your chess game? Head over to chess.com slash not old today to start playing. That's chess.com slash not old to start playing with your friends, family, grandkids, everyone. And start learning chess from the pros today. Thanks, everybody. Hey, it's Paul. You know, even though we've all been at home a lot more since the pandemic, we at least are starting to get out, starting to travel a little bit and enjoy being out and about. Whenever we leave home for any amount of time, I feel safe, but I feel even more safe since installing the Simply Safe security system. Simply Safe is my favorite home security system. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe. The system that the U.S. News and World Report magazine names the best home security system of 2021 just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. I installed mine about a month and a half ago, including the new camera, and I will tell you the image quality on the camera is superb. It is unbelievable. And that's important when you're viewing anyone coming to your home 
unannounced. You see exactly who it is, and the mobile app gives you a great multi-angle picture. The new camera has an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view, so you could keep watch over your entire yard. It has this 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom, so you can really just zoom in on every single aspect of what's going on around your yard. That means you can zoom in and out and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence. The camera has a built-in spotlight with colored night vision so you can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. It's super simple to set up and it usually takes about a minute or two. It has this easy to remove rechargeable battery so it doesn't need an outlet and it can go anywhere on your property. This camera has it all and it integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, which I've installed in my home, which just extends the protection to the outside of the home along with the Simply Safe system inside. Together, it means every door, every window, and room are protected. And now your outside property will be too. This is fantastic. You guys got to check this out. So to learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/notoldbetter. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and the first month of the monitoring service is free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/notoldbetter. We're going to have all of this in the show notes, but check it out ASAP. Feel safe with Simply Safe. Thanks everybody. We're with Joe Fargione. Joe Fargione is the Nature Conservancy's Science Director for North America. We're talking about climate change. In particular, we're talking about seedlings. And I want to drill down into that subject a little bit, Joe Fargione, and talk about this about this overall approach. It it seems brilliant. I, I love this idea and I think and we'll get into this, but I think there are a lot of ways that that really any of us can help in this regard. You talked about how much land we need to kind of reforest and the kind of the timing about it. What about climates that are experiencing drought and a lack of water? How are seedlings going to take hold there if we've already if we're already experiencing drought as a result of climate change? How do we get the reforestation to take place there? That's a great question. There are places that where the uh, because the climate has already changed, where it might not be appropriate to try to restore a forest. That um, if we were to plant seedlings there, they would be likely to die um, because they uh, um, because it's drier and and that stress would be likely to kill them. So we have to be smart uh, and make sure that we're planting the right tree in the right place, and that means contending with the reality of climate change and, and planting, targeting plantings to places where um, they're going to be successful. So we talked early on about um, just the, the general fallout from climate change and what this, do, what this is doing to, to all of us in terms of overheating us. There's wildfires, there's storms uh, that are, are being tracked directly to climate change. What does the reforestation uh, do to help us with some of those issues, including offering some flood protection. It would seem that this could support wildlife habitat in in an enormous way. I think that's very potential. And then the economic consequences um, 
that have been brought about by climate change. How does how does some of the seedling uh, development program add to potential employment? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so one of the best things about natural climate solutions, including reforestation, is that they have many benefits beyond climate. And so um, forest clean the air we breathe and the water we drink. Um, they help protect our lives and our property from storms and floods. Um, and trees and cover crops in agriculture help build soil health. Um, restoring forests, you know, provides opportunities for recreation and wildlife. Um, and they can help with provide corridors for wildlife migration as wildlife might need to to move in response to climate change. Um, and urban reforestation increases people's quality of life and, and property values and reduces cooling costs for your home uh, if you have a tree that's shading it. So there are many benefits or you know what you might call co-benefits um, beyond just helping fight climate change by tree planting and other natural climate solutions. Um, you mentioned the workforce. There is um, obviously having a program of increased tree planting, you know, requires people to do that. So there is a, a workforce development aspect to that. And um, some of, you know, thinking back to things like uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps, um, that, you know, those were successful workforce development programs. Um, the WPA where, you know, there were public works that, um, that, uh, you know, helped with workforce development and provided public benefit. And you know, this is a similar, I think there are similar opportunities with natural climate solutions and, and reforestation in particular. It's, um, when we look at, you know, doubling or tripling the, the pace of reforestation that would require, uh, jobs to plant the trees, also to take care of them after they're planted, also to expand the nurseries for the seedling production, uh, also to expand the uh, seed collection because that's um, where the nurseries are needed to get seed in order to grow the seedlings. So we've seen, you know, right now in the United States, we produce about 1.3 uh, billion seedlings per year. And uh, most of that goes to, to replant areas that were harvested for timber. Uh, but a, a significantly ramped up reforestation effort, you know, could easily use 3 billion seedlings per year. So that's a significant uh, increase, you know, in the, in, along that whole pipeline, uh, the, the supply chain for reforestation, if you will. And, um, that's something that my research has tried to call attention to, just as we've seen in the pandemic, where when you have a sudden increase in demand for something, you can have a bottleneck in the supply chain and suddenly it's hard to buy toilet paper. We don't want to get into the same situation where it's hard to buy seedlings for reforestation. So um, we, in order to make it possible, in order to make it possible to reforest, we'll need to make sure we're, investing in that supply chain um, for seedlings and, and reforestation, including the, the workforce needed to implement that. 
during uh, the recent Hurricane Ida, President Biden uh, spoke on the subject of climate change, and, and I think his words were, were powerful. He said, this is code red. The world is in peril. This is not hyperbole, that we've got to prevent things from, from getting worse. Is that size it up approximately, or are there other things that the Biden administration is doing to support this? Well, there are many things that are included in the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill and that would be included in a reconciliation process Mm -hmm. that I think will help us switch to a a clean energy economy um, that will help us have a charging system for electric cars to make it possible for, for people to, um, you know, easily travel across country in their electric car um, and charge it up along the way that will um, speed the transition from uh, to, to wind and solar and, and other zero carbon energy. Um, and that will help with the, the workforce development and investment needed for, for natural climate solutions. Um, and there's, so there's a variety of programs that are currently working their way through Congress um, that I think will go a long way towards implementing many of these these changes and whether or not um, we'll have to see what's in the final bill when it comes out in terms of some of the exact mechanisms for, for how people that are providing these natural climate solutions, you know, what additional compensation they would get. But the, the good news is that many of these natural climate solutions are really affordable and, um, you know, are at the point now where, even um, at current prices on the voluntary carbon market, you know, they they essentially pay for themselves. So when you're, you know, when you're thinking about farmers that are switching to no-till or using cover crops that help store carbon in the soil, those are things that uh, many farmers are finding actually pay for themselves. So there are a lot of wins out there, and we don't need to wait for legislation to... Um, uh, for us to take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I feel that personally. I, I, I want to help. And, and I, I'm hopeful that the legislation is going to um, bring about some of these things, but I'd, I'd prefer not to wait. I'd, I know our audience is, is going to agree with that. So what, what can we do now to support the effort um, locally? Um, are there contributions to be made, either in, in time and money? And how, how do we get involved with this? Sure, there there's a lot of ways, um, obviously supporting, um, the political process and, and representatives who understand and climate change is a, a real threat that needs to be addressed. Um, and, you know, contacting representatives to letting them know that we need to support, you know, that bipartisan infrastructure bill that invests in climate solutions, um, is, is a great way to do that. Um, there are your own purchasing decisions that, that people make when you're getting a new car, you know, consider an electric. If you're redoing your kitchen, consider uh, an induction stove that uh, uses electricity. So there's ways that, you know, you can opt in with your utility to um, support renewable energy. Uh, you need, often there's many utilities have a, an, an option where you can choose to 
to purchase that renewable energy directly. People are putting solar panels on their roofs also. So there's that, those kind of purchasing decisions that, that people can make that are helping to shift where the energy comes from and, and shifting away from fossil fuels. But you can you can also get involved in um, in NGOs, environmental NGOs that are helping with conservation. You know, you can plant trees in your backyard. You can uh, help protect our existing forests, um, and uh, you, you know, so there's lots of opportunities to get involved. Yeah, it it just reminds me of a, a national campaign around a, a a very regular, consistent, almost predictable Arbor Day, and and planting trees is something that I think we can all enjoy doing and get great benefit from. Joe Fargioni, thank you so much for your time today. We'd love to have you back too. I think as this issue um, get gets gets traction in many places, as as things change, I know there are going to be many many more questions that we we'd love to have somebody like you to put them to. And so, please uh, please come back and and talk to us again. Oh, that would be my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, Paul. My thanks to Joe Fargioni, science director for the Nature Conservancy, for his generous time and preparation today. Of course, my thanks to Simply Safe and Chess.com for sponsoring today's episode. Please check out the simplysafe.com not old better link. It'll be right in our show notes. And remember, Simply Safe is the right way to protect your home. And then go to chess.com slash not old for chess instructions, excellent games to play, and you can find me there too. Of course, my thanks to you, my wonderful not old better show audience. Please be safe. Get your flu shots and your booster shot for COVID. Recommend others do the same. And let's talk about better, the Not Old Better show. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.